Thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. It's a real privilege, actually, for me to be speaking to you all uh, today. Um, it's interesting that no matter how many times you do this, um, still nervous. And there's just like this point and you look over your shoulder and it's like, oh, there's quite a lot of people here today, isn't there? That's a good thing, trust me. And then, and then in your heart, there's like this tummy heart movement that goes, and then this is the great thing. That's where God comes in. Yeah. And he's done it time and time again. And I think I'm still like slightly, oh, slightly, but mostly God. <laughs> Uh, I would say to you, and I mentioned this last time when I was here, um, is this a bit echoey to you, or, or is it just me? It's just me, right? Um, so I was, I was brought up in Barrow, brought up in Heimpool, um, and forgive me if you heard me say this last time, but I'm almost going to say this if I'm invited back every time again, because I think... Um, this, is, this in, is in memory of my granddad, um, and a barrow boy through and through worked in the yard, and uh, one of the last things he said to me uh, before he passed was, uh, don't forget my beloved barrow. And I come with that heart, and every time I say it, just something in me, um, because there are many... Um, unknown and unfound and unseen treasures in this town and it's a very well-kept secret isn't it yeah it's a very well-kept secret so I bring that heart of Eric Lalver today to you and my desire is that it's not just Sunday as usual it's never our desire is it it's never that something happens as we're gathered here today and it already has as we've been worshiping and the guys did a great job, but that we meet with Jesus and he does something materially in our hearts today that means I leave this place a little bit more like him, yeah? And sometimes that is a really joyous thing to happen. <laughs> sometimes it isn't because it challenges things that are held within us tight and that have been within us for many years, maybe inherited from our parents and our grandparents. And sometimes it's just the case we need to lay some stuff aside that we once held dear, yeah, for the sake of Jesus. And, and in the laying aside, he can then come and do a greater work within us again. So that's my prayer this morning, that we meet with Jesus, if we haven't already. And we're going through a series. Uh, who spoke last week? Right, okay. What are the chances? What are the chances? So we're looking at Zechariah 8, if you have your Bible, and we're going to be reading the whole chapter today. 
Can this come up a little bit higher? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Okay. So Zechariah 8 and, and verse 1. The word of the Lord Almighty came to me. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I'm very jealous for Zion. I'm burning with jealousy for her. This is what the Lord says. I will return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the faithful city and the mountain of the Lord Almighty will be called the holy mountain. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each of them with cane in hand because of their age. The city's streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. This is what the Lord Almighty says. It may seem marvelous to the remnant of this people at that time, but will it seem marvelous to me, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will save my people from the countries of the east and the west. I will bring them back to live in Jerusalem. They will be my people, and I will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. We see in the theme here, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Now hear these words. Let your hands be strong so that the temple may be built. This is also what the prophets, prophets said who were present when the foundation was laid for the house of the Lord Almighty. Before that time, there was no wages for people or hire for animals. No one could go about their business safely because of their enemies, since I had turned everybody against their neighbor. But now I will not deal with the remnant of this people as I did in the past, declares the Lord Almighty. The seed will grow well. The vine will yield its fruit. The ground will produce its crops and the heavens will drop their dew. I will give all these things an inheritance to the remnant of this people. Just as you, Judah and Israel, have been a curse among the nations, so I will save you and you will be a blessing. Do not be afraid, but let your hands be strong. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Just as I had determined to bring disaster on you and showed no pity when your ancestors angered me, says the Lord Almighty, so now I have determined to do good again to Jerusalem and Judah. Do not be afraid. These are the things you are to do. Speak the truth to each other and render true and sound judgment in your courts. Do not plot evil against each other and do not love to swear falsely. I hate this, declares the Lord. The word of the Lord Almighty came to me. This is what the Lord Almighty says. The fast of the fourth, fifth, seventh, and tenth months will become joyful and glad occasions and happy festivals for Judah. Therefore, love truth and peace. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Many peoples and the inhabitants of my cities will yet come. And the inhabitants of one city will go to another and say, let us go at once to entreat the Lord and seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going. And many peoples and powerful nations will come to Jerusalem and seek the Lord Almighty and entreat him. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days... Ten people from all languages and nations will hold firm 
of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you. We have heard that God is with you. Right, breath. So what's happening in this chapter? It was interesting because I've kind of been reading through the book and then uh, reading this chapter again and, and it can be quite worrisome if you've been asked to speak on a chapter and nothing seems to be landing with you. You're like, Where, where's the handle of this? And Johnny gave me a very strong steer as to the direction he wanted uh, this morning to go. Um, no, at the end of the text it said, but be led by God. So there is that as well. Good man. And... Um, but it was only in the last week that it really started to solidify in my heart. So that's a relief because you're thinking, right, now I know what God wants to say. So if you're able to, I want you to stand in response to these questions, okay? If you're able to. Do you want to be blessed by God? <laughs> you can imagine the person that's sitting there kind of going, I'm not going to do it. I'm not, all right, okay then. Right, sit down. Thank you. This is all good for your circulation as well. Once you get to a certain age, you start thinking about these things. Right, okay. Next question. Do you want to be used by God and be a blessing to others? Okay. Go back to your seats. Thank you. My work is done. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Did you get the names, Johnny? Right, okay. <laughs> now, I believe that God wants to do good to us, to use us, and to prosper this church. However, I believe that for us to receive the fullness of his blessings and to have the impact onto this community and the loss that we encounter every day, we must, we must conduct ourselves in accordance to the word of God. I think if we look to align ourselves with the word of God, then his blessing follows us quickly. In fact, almost goes before us if we look to align ourselves with the word of God. And in this day and age, you may have noticed that to align yourself with the word of God takes bravery and takes boldness. Now, I'm not advocating you just going out and doing whatever, be led by God, yeah? But it does take bravery and boldness, and, and there is a real temptation, isn't there, in the stuff of life and the things of life and what we face day by day to kind of just keep our mouths closed and not to step in that place that requires bravery and boldness. Because we don't have to look far, do we, to see that there's many things in our culture and our society that are contrary to what we know is the will of God. Am I missing something there, or would that be an accurate statement that I've made there? So it requires braveness for us to live that way. But living that way, I believe, is the key in the blessings of God in our lives, yeah? Scripture tells us, and I can't remember exactly how it is, but it talks about that those that trust in God will never be ashamed, yeah? 
those who put their faith in him, those that step out in faith for God, won't be ashamed. He will take care of us. But the story that we have here, when we go back to the scripture, we find that Israel had been set aside for a season. And they'd become a curse among the nations. And this passage that we're looking at is talking about the millennium rule and how things will look then, but it's also applicable to how we live our lives today. And the New Living Translation, translation, um, imagine misspeaking the word translation. Um, in verse 13, it says, among the other nations, Judah and Israel became symbols of a cursed nation, but no longer now I will rescue you and make you both a symbol and a source of blessing. And then it says, don't be afraid. Be strong and get on with it. Sorry, get on with rebuilding. Yeah, yeah. Don't be afraid. Be strong and get on with rebuilding. And that's a word to us today, yeah. Fear, if we feed it, becomes really big. Yeah, but if we point ourselves before towards our faith, we starve our fears. Did we hear that? If we look in faith, if we turn towards our faith, if we reinforce our faith, we will starve our fears. And there's some here today that have big fear, big fear, and we feed it, and we feed it. It's time to start starving that fear and getting on with rebuilding. And so you may have noticed that through that passage it says, what the, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Did anyone count how many times that was in the scripture? Kind of eight plus, okay. Um, eight, eight plus in the first 15 verses alone, okay. 11 in total in the whole chapter. So I think that's kind of the Lord saying, will you just listen to what I'm saying? You know, once or twice, we'd hope it would get our attention, yeah? But if we're talking about in a relatively short chapter, the Lord is kind of declaring, listen to me, I've got something to say. I'm saying, listen to me, I've got something. 11 times? That is worthy of our attention. I'm not sure if there's any chapters in the whole of the Bible that have those many, that many incidences of the Lord saying, look, listen to me. I'm talking to you. I'm insistent. You know when you try to speak to a child and you're advising the child not to do something that is bad for them, hand on the stove, hand in the fire, all that kind of stuff. You, you get that child's attention, don't you? Or you try. You try and look that child in the eye and say, listen to me. It's important that you don't. And that's what God is doing to us today. Listen to me. There's some important stuff for you today. There's some things today that will give you life, that will strengthen your bones, that will set you free to the fullness and the promises of what God has in your life. Because those 15 verses that we see, 1 to 15 are all God saying, look, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pour into you. I'm going to show you. And then I'm going to remind you, this is what I'm going to do. And then the gear changes as we go into 16. Because then it's on us. It's what we are to do. 
But before we launch into that, there's just a small statement here that we notice in verse 6, where we're in that kind of repeated waves of this is what the Lord Almighty says. And it says this, and I think it's quite easy to miss it, but it's important for us to just pin this one. In verse 6, it may seem marvelous to the remnant of this people at that time, me doing all this good stuff. It'll seem marvelous. They'll be rejoicing. People will be excited. There'll be a buzz and a sense of energizing of the people. But then it says, but will it be marvelous to me? What is that all about? I'm going to do all these good things. Look, I'm committed to it. I'm, 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 I'm covenanting to do good things among you. But will it be marvelous to me? And I think... And I believe that what he's talking about there is those things that are unseen that are going on in our hearts, those mindsets that we have, those strongholds, those ways of going about life that don't bring glory to God, that most people never get to see. You see, when, when we're young, we have... Um, we have to mature as children. So as children, and we'll have seen it, and we'll have all have done it, but we'll have acted a certain way where everything in the inside is out, yeah? Tem temper tantrums, all that kind of stuff. And the hope is, and this happens with most people, is that as we grow up, we learn to kind of rein all of that in and kind of conform to what's needed around us, okay? Most people, okay? <laughs> I'm trying not to look at anyone in particular. <laughs> and, um, and so we learn to control that. But what happens is, and that's a good thing, because that's useful for a healthy function in society. If everyone was having tantrums in Tesco, which probably happens anyway, but if everyone was, nothing would happen and everything would be disordered. Would that be right? So we learn that, and that is good, and that's right and proper. But one of the things we also learn as Christians is how to be a Christian at church. And we learn the drill. This is what it looks like. This is how a Christian behaves. During worship, I'll raise my hands. I smile. I encourage people. I, I do the Christian stuff. Yeah? I tithe as well. I'm, I'm doing it all. But, but that's the outward. And I just wonder if many of us are inwardly quite frustrated because we hear and see of God doing great and marvelous things here there and everywhere but that's not our experience that's not what we're seeing we yearn to see that and I wonder if part of that equation is is that we and this is this is the part where we have to be brave and we have to look in the mirror and we have to answer that question for ourselves whether we are just outwardly expressing and we're not allowing God in to do that internal work in us that is the thing that pleases him more than anything else. Now, we may have done that for a season, but it may be at the moment you're just tired, your heart is calloused, you're frustrated, you've been disappointed, you've been let down and hurt, and you're just like, no, I'm just not going there now. But today, God wants to pull back that veil just between you and him and say, look, I have really great things for you. I'm committed to doing that, but I just want you to go that little bit further into me because actually it's the best place for you.
It's the best place for you to be fulfilled and just know the fullness and the life of God flowing through you. It's in those areas that are unseen. Someone once said, a Christian is a Christian when they're a Christian on their own. Yeah. No one else sees. God does. No one else sees. And so today, we're going to be going into some of those things that maybe people see a little bit, people experience a little bit, but you know, you know that there's some things that you just need to get right and deal with before God. So God asks something in return, and I think there's an important point to make on this one. It is by, is it, it's by faith that you've been, it is by grace, which way around is it? It is by, right, I always get that, I think it's slightly dyslexic. So it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, Okay. And it's ultimately talking about, it's not about your works that you're saved by. So what I don't want you to do is look at what we're about to talk about this morning is to be about your salvation. This is kind of, you know, you're on the football pitch in the premiership team. This is about playing in the game effectively, yeah? You're, you're, you're in the squad, not Man United. You don't want to be. Um, I'm a Man United fan. Pray for me, right? So I know feel the pain. Um, it'll be right. It'll be right. What was I talking about? So, so it's like you're in the team. You've, you've been called. Your name's on the list. And now it's about taking it that step further, getting spiritually fit, getting on the ball, taking it that step on. And that is what God is calling you to do. Where you are today, hallelujah, God has brought you here, but he's still got a way for you to go. He has. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not yourselves, but is the gift of God. And it's not by works that any man might boast. But then we have this passage that comes in and it says, I'm going to do all of these good things for you. But I require something of you. You know, I always used to struggle when I'd say to someone, that was fantastic, praise God for what happened there and that you did. And they'd almost reflexively say to me, it's got nothing to do with me, it's all God. Right? Now, we may have said that. I want to challenge that a little bit this morning. Because God looks to partner with us. Yeah? For me to stand up here doesn't come without a cost, and that's okay. I do that willingly, but, you know, I don't just sit there and then God pulls the strings and I walk up front and then, yeah, he asks us to come willingly and partner with him. There is a cost to our faith. There is, there is a choice that we have to make. There is somewhere that we need to, having done all, stand. There is a requirement. God gets the glory but he calls us to partner with him in that. We're not called to be passive. Yeah. And that is, that is a correct characteristic that's most apt for men in this generation. Okay. I battle with it. 
that desire and that tendency towards being passive and going with the flow and letting things just play out. But only dead fish go with the flow, don't they? Yeah. I've been banking that one for years and it was a pretty disappointing outcome. I may bring that back in next time and see if you respond a bit more positively. <laughs> right, okay. Um, so he wants us to step up, but it's talking about the fundamentals of our faith. And I believe that as we step into these things that we're going to cover that we'll start to see God release some good stuff into our lives. It may be for some of us, the goodness and the fullness and the promises of God are being blocked because we are still stumbling at these fundamentals. Okay, are you with me so far? Okay. And so what are these fundamentals? What are these things? And we see them starting in verse 16, and it says, speak truth to each other. So there's four things that we'll just hop on, and I'm going to let the scripture do the speaking hopefully today. Um, so speak the truth to each other. Use our tongues wisely, okay? In James 3, 6 to 10, it reads, and the tongue is a fire. Now what I don't want you to do now is say, oh, I've heard that a thousand times. You may have done Please don't do that. Let's, let's come, come at this new again and, and let's interrogate this one-to-one, -one, okay? James 3.10, six, 3, 6 to 10. And the tongue is a fire, a, word, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing, my brethren, these things ought not to be so. And then Ephesians 4 and verse 5, speaking the truth in love. And then Proverbs 12, 17 to 18 in the New Living Translation. An honest witness tells the truth. A false witness tells lies. Some people make, it, make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. You see, when we speak the truth in love, we do not hide reality. We don't hide our intentions, our motives, our agendas. When we speak in love, we come from that perspective of desiring to do good, building up, not tearing down. Now, if, it's really interesting because if you, if you have a level of sensitivity, which, which most of us do, have you, have you ever been in a situation when someone's come along and they've said, uh, by heck, you look tired. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and so they'll say that to you and 
this, this has been my experience in the past, and there's two ways that can come at me and two ways that that kind of works out in my brain. One is it comes to me and I instantly feel really tired, yeah? I'm like, do I look tired? I feel okay. Oh no, where's the mirror? This is what tired looks like, okay. So there's that, but then there's someone else who says the same thing, same words, and what you feel is care. What you feel is compassion, and it's followed by kind of almost then metaphorically kind of sweeping you up and taking a burden from you. Have you ever had that experience? Yeah? And it's often coming from, well, what it is, it's coming from that person's heart. And just even in something as subtle as that, it's quite destructive, isn't it? Or it's quite life-giving, and we have to be right in our hearts before God first, before we then go and speak out from that place. And that's quite a straightforward thing to do. God just, I, I give you my heart. I give you my words. I, I want to represent you in my interactions today, Lord. Please just go with me. And you'll just see that the Lord will really come alongside that. Who who prayed that as they were coming today to church that they would have opportunities to bless and encourage? You don't have to put your hands up and encourage, because I know that most of you would have done this, um, to bless and encourage and speak into and to show love and care for one another. I'll tell you what, if you guys did that on your way to church, it would take you 15 seconds, this place would be transformed again. Yeah, because you'd come in and you'd be like, right, okay, I want to encourage you. This is weird, I know, but look, I bless you. Thank you for the way that you played today and just look for opportunities to bless and encourage and speak truth, truth, yeah? Now, you played really well, so I was speaking truth. <laughs> yeah, but speak truth and look for those opportunities because it gives life. This is the lifeblood of the church, if, if we have, right, I'm, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, Jesus is with me, and we don't do any of these things, then this, is, this place is just shallow and self-centered. Billy Graham in his book, The Secret of Happiness, said this, you have a tongue and a voice. These instruments of speech can be used destructively, or employed constructively. You have a choice and you have a voice. You can use your tongue to slander, to gripe, to scold, to nag, to quarrel, to sow discord, to raise a question. Or you can bring it under the control, submit it under the control of God's Spirit and make it an instrument of blessing and praise. Let that be our heart's desire. So firstly, that's what the Lord talked about. He said, I want to do all these things. I want to be pleased with you as a people. I want my heart to be satisfied with you. I'm going to do these things. But watch your tongue. Watch your words. Then secondly, it goes on. Render true and sound judgment in your courts. And in another version it says, that leads to peace. So be peacemakers. 
be peacemakers. Matthew 5 and verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now, anyone of a certain age, slight aside, did anyone think of the word cheesemakers then when I read that passage? <laughs> now, if, you don't, if you're too young to know, ask your parents. Um, or if you're old enough to know, it's from the Monty Python film where they said, blessed are the cheesemakers, but that's another completely unscriptural story, so forgive me for that. But at least, at least you laugh. So, um, and then we have Proverbs 28 and 25. It says, an arrogant or proud man stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. Now, there is one verse, um, and it's kind of a one word, one verse peacemaking manual. If I had to choose one verse in the entire Bible to summarize what Jesus expects of peacemakers, it would be in Romans 12, 18. It's concise, it's comprehensive, and it's perfect for peacemaking dummies like me. And it says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, what's really important about this passage of scripture is this. If we kind of just kind of do a quick drive-by of it, we think it's about live at peace with everyone. But we have to interrogate the word of God, and he's happy for us to do that. We have to study it, break it down. What's it actually saying? And Paul is realistic in that passage about waging peace. There's a phrase. Not war, but waging peace. I'm going to go in, and I'm going to wage peace into this situation. Because he talks about the condition, this, uh, this condition... If it, is, if it is possible, yeah? If it is possible. What he's doing there is acknowledging that it's not always possible to make peace. That doesn't shift the burden of responsibility from us, incidentally. Scripture is realistic about conflict and discord. And biblical peacemaking is neither sentimental nor naive. It addresses the harsh realities of brokenness and evil. And it's probably worth reading that whole passage of Romans 12 to get that in its full context. So even our most sincere efforts might fail. Peacemakers aren't always peace achievers. But this verse also affirms proactive peacemaking. It says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you. Since making peace involves at least two parties, reconciliation isn't always possible. But the responsibility to taking steps towards peace always rests on us as individuals. I just wonder, I wonder if a conversation needs to happen after this service finishes. I wonder if the Lord is bringing something to mind where you've not done things as far as you are able to make peace. I think there's a release if we do as much as we are able to make peace and then we can say, Lord, it is now in your hands. But I know that kind of the stuff of my heart and the deceitfulness of my heart kind of 
And, and sometimes my fear makes me think, I don't want to go into that situation. I don't want to flare anything up. It's still raw. I'm just going to back off. And then I back off and I back off to the point that I'm out of sight. And maybe I see that person or those people from afar and I move to the other side of the room. And it starts to conduct the way that I live my life now. It's become something more, something greater. And we've missed out on something beautiful and simple in Scripture as much as you're able. Be brave. Be the man. Be the woman. Stand in that space. Try and make peace. Because I believe that the Holy Spirit will then move. It may be, if you need any more motivation, it may be that that is a block on the goodness of God in your life because you have not done what it says in Scripture. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And it may be that the Holy Spirit is just waiting and hovering. Come on, Ramin, just do it. I keep prompting you. Come on, just, just be brave. I'll go before you. I'll make it work. Just be brave and step into that space. And then the, the power and the presence of the Lord just follows like a train. Be brave, brothers and sisters. He's with you. Romans 14, 19 says, Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things which one may edify another. Pursue it. Pursue peace. So those are the first two things. Very quickly, how long have I been so far and how long do I have? I'll, I'll move quickly. I feel like... Um, sec thirdly, building unity. Building unity says, do not plot evil against each other and do not swear falsely. And then it says, I hate this, says God. I hate this. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Let's go through this list. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that hurry to run to evil, a lying witness who testifies falsely, and one who sows discord in a family. The sure sign that you've been, that you've allowed something to impress upon your heart, or maybe you've been around people that make trouble in the family of God is that you begin to feel the same anger and frustration or dislike towards a person or group of people that you did not feel before. It's almost like you've caught something, yeah? Now, it may be that you've been in a situation where that's occurred through interaction, but it may be that you're with someone who's telling you stuff about other people and then like a poison or an infection, it just passes around and it starts to ripple throughout the body. You have a responsibility. That's not on the pastor. He'll play a part. But you have a responsibility to cut that at its ankles there and then and not let that infection spread. The unity of the body is absolutely crucial to the effectiveness of what God is going to do throughout this community. 
If you guys are not united, if we are not united, then we may as well just pack up our Bibles, go and walk home, because it is the lifeblood of the church is unity. And if you're to invest in anything, invest in the unity. Get to know people. Talk to someone you haven't done before. Invest in relationships. You see, one of the things that happens when we hear stuff, yeah, and often we hear stuff under the guise of, um, I just want to share something, and maybe you can be praying for this person as well. Yeah, if you can, there's a bit of something going on, but I'll let you know, and we can be praying, so that you can be praying, okay? And that always comes, doesn't it? That's the Christian kind of giveaway, so you can be praying. Um, but, but what happens then? So it's either an interaction that we've had with someone that's been negative, and we don't feel that that is something that glorifies God, and we've not done the thing where we've looked to make peace, okay? As it said in the previous point. What happens then is that there's a seed planted in our hearts, Okay, a seed, it's just planted. And then if it's not addressed, if it's not dealt with, that seed then starts to become a weed. Yeah? And have you ever done any weeding, anyone? I'm sure we have, yeah? Have you ever seen how ugly the root system of weeds are and how they're kind of pervasive and they kind of spread and, and you, you're trying to... You're putting all your strength in and you can't, it's hard to lodge and you've got to kind of cut around and do some pretty major work sometimes, like the roots of a tree or the roots of a, it's like, my word, they've spread, they're touching areas and if I pull this, it's going to pull other things as well. But the seed, when it's left, becomes a, de- a weed and then the weed, when it's left, you maybe know what's coming now, becomes a deed. It becomes action. And because we're British, you know what our action often is? Passive aggressiveness. <laughs> let's pull on the passive aggressiveness. Let's ignore the person. Let's marginalize. Let's let them know we're not happy without letting them know we're not happy by our body language, lack of contact, lack of warmth. And we'll do that. But sometimes, if you're half Iranian, the deed will become something that's physical and obvious to see, and it will become an action. But the root is right back to the seed that's planted. And every day as we interact with each other, the enemy is saying, right, I'll try and drop that seed in over here and we'll put that there and that conversation, oh, seed here. And if we are not brave enough as a people to step into that space and say, hold on. And I keep using the word to interrogate because that's the opposite to being passive, to challenge, to say, right, okay, is that from God? Do I need to have that? percolating and then starting to take root in my being and then three years later it just comes out as an act that is very destructive does not bring glory to God separates members of the body divides the church and affects unity and once we are disunited we are completely ineffective when we are united the presence of the Lord comes and flows upon us so that the world might see Ephesians 4.3 says, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. As believers, coming together is the beginning. Keeping together is progress. Working together is success. It's not enough just to be in the same room. Psalm 133 verse 1, behold 
how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Fourthly, build a reputation. And as we know how the, the passage kind of closes out, let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you. Yeah. Verse 23, let us go with you because we've heard God is with you. So, so God's people have been blessed, those first 15 verses. And then 16 onwards, it's like 16, 17, it's like, right, now this is what you need to do in response to this. And if you do it, this will be pleasing to me. It won't necessarily stop the blessing, but this is, this is the reality of the kingdom of God working within you. So watch your tongue, focus on unity, yeah? Keep short accounts. Because as you do that, people that are watching you will see that there is something different about you. You're set apart. And it will draw interest. It will raise questions. That kind of level of integrity and interaction within and without the church draws attention. Because it's not common. And the scripture ends with, with it saying... We've, we've seen what's happening here. This is very interesting. Can, can we not come with you because there's something special happening within the place? And the reality of that is that when, when we go and stand or we're on our face before the Lord, I won't be there with my wife. She won't be there next to me yeah? or my kids. It'll be, as far as I can understand from Scripture, it's me and the Lord. Yeah? And live in that way where I live, I breathe, I find my being before an audience of one is key. That's a long way of saying this, is that your heart, the things in your mind, are down to you in partnership with the Lord. It's not up to the pastor. It's not even necessarily up to your partner or your parents because they won't be there to give an answer for these things on that great day. So everything dissolves back here now, and it's just about you and your walk with the Lord. And if you invest in that, if you're desirous to step in that place, then that will start to flow out, and it will then bind people together. It will encourage people together. That will start to pulse throughout the body of Christ. And then we'll start to see this unity and this joy and this love rising up. And then we'll see the power of God released amongst us and healings and signs and wonders. But it starts with you. Yeah? And it starts with you. That is your responsibility. You will not be given an account for anyone else other than you on that great day. Now, you'll give an account for the things that he gave you, but it will be you and the Lord. But, 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 my wife, my husband, my, kid, my parents, my upbringing, my illness, my socioeconomic position, imagine saying that, um, my disadvantage, my education, bad luck, Bad situations, genes, genetics. 
No one's ignoring the impact of all these things. But it will be you and Jesus. And you will give account. I will give an account. And one of the wonderful things, and this is in closing, is when you're just going about your life and you start to see God working in that way around you, particularly that part where just by you doing your thing, it's drawing attention and glory to God. There's actually a few things that give me more joy than when I see that happening. Unbeknownst to me, God is being glorified by what I'm doing and I'm just doing stuff. So there's, um, is there a family here from the US? Yeah, whereabouts? Virginia, right, okay. So I, I lived in Connecticut for a bit, okay? And I feel like this sort of thing happens more in America, maybe not so much now, sadly. <laughs> um, but, but this happened to me. So I went to have, um, and this is in closing, I went to have a meal with uh, a chap that I was getting to know, um, some lunch. And so we're, we're having lunch in this restaurant. There's probably about three or four other couples. It was a fairly big restaurant, okay? So as we were talking, I was aware of some things that I felt the Lord wanted this gentleman to hear. So I just started sharing it with him. It's fairly innocuous as far as I could see. And he starts crying. And he starts confessing about some things. And we're having this conversation and it's like, wow. And you know how everything else goes strangely dim? You're not conscious of your surroundings. You're just in that God moment that there's some transaction happening and then I'm starting to fill up. And then after about five, ten minutes, someone walks over to me and pat, pats me on the shoulder. Big biker guy came over and he said, Hey, man, I've just been listening to your conversation. That's terrible accent. Forgive me, right? <laughs> I don't know what kind of America that is, but, but I need to do it. Take, and so I heard your conversation and, you know, I could just only see that God is good. And I'm like, wow, that, that's amazing. And he said... Uh, I want my wife to come and meet you. So we then start sharing about the Lord to this other couple. And we're blessed in that moment. And then someone over where you guys are over there said, yeah, we could hear you as well. The American accent's gone. We could hear you as well. And that is amazing that God would do that. And then another pocket of people over here started and it was like, what is going on here? And we're all in tears and we're just thinking, wow, there was no, we didn't set up a meeting. We didn't get out a guitar. We didn't put a pulpit in. We didn't open up the Bible. We just lived the life and we talked about God. And the best part, well, no, that was the best part, but this was really cool. So then I said to the waitress, said, uh, can we have the check, please, because that's what you say. And she, she kind of came over a little bit awkwardly, and she said, uh, uh, the owner's paid for it. And I was just like, so my friend in front of me, he was already in tears. He went another level, yeah? <laughs> it was like, whoa, right, okay. Not that we'd saved... $25 or whatever, but just it was like God saying, look, I'm here. I love you. Just be brave. Let me work through you. Don't be so conscious about it, but just we're so apologetic. We're so nervous of being misunderstood and we fall into kind of analysis paralysis and God wants us to be free. He wants us to be free and just enjoy him and he will work it out and we can trust him because he's got it all in his hands. So unto God be all the praise and the glory. Amen.